This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Uh, would y'all turn with me to, uh, to Matthew 25? It's where the scripture reading is from this morning. Uh, 25th chapter of Matthew. Uh, we'll read, we'll read verses 14 through 30. <clears throat> Matthew 25, uh, 14 through 30, if you would. Uh, would you stand, please? Verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. And I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he, he also who had received two talents came to the Lord and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we come before your throne of grace, Lord, um, looking for help. Lord, in another time of need, Lord, we need your grace to do what we've come here to do this morning, to proclaim your word, to hear your word, to discern the truth and digest it in such a way that, that it doesn't just fall upon the physical ear and then vanish, but so that it sinks deep into our 
hearts and souls and affects the very core of who we are so that we're changed by it, changed by Your truth, sanctified by Your truth. And Your Word is truth. Lord, we want to acknowledge now our total dependence upon You for, for that to take place. So that by Your grace, we are forever affected by the truth of Your Word. Grant it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I've discovered I really like two things about a jacket. <laughs> One is when it's cold, it helps keep you warm. And the other is when it's hot, you can take it off. <laughs> it, it, I like that. Um, I've been looking at these parables we have together for some time now. <clears throat> and I've been looking at them in a, what for me anyway, is, is a, a somewhat of a, a different light, a different understanding. And so I've, I've been trying to communicate that. I'm going to continue uh, that this morning. Um, and I, I don't say this. I, it's not that there's new, I don't, I don't think there's, there's new revelation. So I'm not claiming anything like that. I do think, when we look at Scripture, by God's grace, um, the harder we look at it, you know, the, the, the more, in, of course, prayerfully that we look at it, asking for God's help. The truth that is already there just becomes more evident to us. That is, um, that is it's, it's not that something substantially or substantial, uh, like a substantial change takes place with the Scripture, is there is change going on within us, and God enlightens us, opens up our minds to His truth. And by the way, um, a lot of times in discussions with people, like you, you, you may have a disagreement over a, a, a point, and, and finally someone will say something like, well, brother, you're not going to change my mind, and I'm not going to change your mind. And I know that there are times we got to, Sort of agree to disagree. But usually what I tell them is this. Brother, if I didn't believe my mind could be changed, I'd just throw in the towel. I mean, God's already shown me He can change my mind. And I believe He can still change my mind. <laughs> and I believe He can change other people's minds. He's got the power to do that. In fact, that's what repentance is. It is your mind being changed. And so, uh, you know, we study and we look at God's Word and our minds are steadily changed by, uh, by God to line up with His truth. That's certainly our desire. I mean, we don't, we don't want to go the other way, do we? Um, so, all that to kind of say this. I, I, I've said many times that the, the gospel, or living out the Christian life, let's say it that way, in this world, is, is relational. You, you can't get away from that. It's not the Tom T. Hall me and my Jesus, me and Jesus got our own thing going mentality. That's, that's not the Christianity of the Scripture. It's relational. And so, you know, I've, I've, I've said that many times and, and um, you know, tried to emphasize that. 
but but it just seems like that I'm that I'm I'm seeing in some areas where I didn't expect it expect it that that is so. In other words, where Jesus is talking about that, and I haven't previously noticed it, um, and so that's been the case with with this study as we've been examining the last week of of the life and ministry of Christ. And if you think about it, this week started um, with uh, what we call Palm. Sunday, what we call it now, that's today, by the way. Um, Autumn reminded me of that this morning. Um, This week started with Jesus going to the temple and cleansing the temple, right? This last week of His life. He he goes into the temple and He drives out the, the money changers and gives them a lesson, a little bit of a lesson on true worship. You know, this, my Father's house... Shall we call? It's called a house of prayer, and you've made it into a, a den of robbers or thieves. And then we've walked through the week with the with the uh, gospel writer here, Matthew, and you get over to uh, chapter 23, for example. Jesus confronts the, the uh, Pharisees, the Pharisees and the lawyers head on again. And I say he's already invading their turf. turf. He's coming to. Judea teaching the truth. He's entered into the temple and offended them there and along with the Sadducees. And that's what they considered their turf. And uh, he's, he's uh, offending them and upsetting them. And now he's, he's confronting them head on in chapter 23 for their hypocrisy. And we, we've already talked about that, but just, just as a reminder again that uh, what, uh, what seems to me to be the, the core issue there is the way that they... Um, the way that they are treating other people. In other words, the, their, the main issue is their lack of love for God, but the way that is manifesting is through bad relationships. So, for example, he says of the Pharisees, you devour widows' houses. I mean, he, he uses an example there of the most destitute that, that the law commands them to care for those who are fatherless and widows. The most destitute, Jesus, Jesus says, He goes to the extreme. These people whom, whom you are explicitly commanded to care for in the law, you are taking advantage of. That's, that's the issue. In other, again, the primary issue, and I do want us to keep that in view, is we are put here to glorify God, to live for His glory. He is to be utmost, as one pastor says, utmost in our affections. As we, we must love Him more than anybody or anything. But, in, as Jesus is pointing out their lack in that area, He's revealing that the way that it manifests is in their treatment of other people. And then He begins to do that um, with, with parables. Um, and, and by the way, as, even as we went through chapter 24, what I, what I tried to do uh, when I, a couple of Sunday mornings ago when I set, set up the, uh, the context there was to show that even there, I think, Jesus, he, He's pronouncing judgment upon Jerusalem because of the, the uh, false religion of the day. Because they weren't serving God and they were um, abusing God's people, the leaders there in particular. And then we get to chapter, at the end of chapter 24, and you've got the, um, well, a little over halfway, the lesson of the fig tree. 
verse 32, chapter 24, verse 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out uh, leaves, um, you know that summer is near. So, again, he's using that to show that judgment is, is coming for their actions. And then, uh, now, so now he's in the context of talking about when there's going to be judgment for, for, their, um, for their false religion, for their idolatry. And he keeps making the point to the disciples that nobody knows the day or the hour, so you must be ready. No one knows um, the day or the hour. Verse 36, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, but the Father only. And so he begins to, to exhort those who are following him to be ready. And what I've, what I've tried to point out there uh, and in the uh, parable that follows that is that the, that the way that he defines being ready... It's not by going up to a mountaintop somewhere, you know, selling all of your worldly possessions and going to the top of a mountain somewhere and saying, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to sit here and wait on Christ to come. The way that he describes it, being ready, is by being faithful in your stewardship with, with the Master's household. Look at um, verse 45, still in chapter 24 here. Verse 45, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? Notice that. Master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. So in the parable, he doesn't say, uh, you know, the master gave this servant or these servants, um, gave them the responsibility of watching, let's say, guarding his one of his most prized possessions, maybe maybe a piece of jewelry or uh, you know, even guarding his house or, or something like that. Some, some kind of material possession. He says he put them over the household. They have charge over the, the other servants to care for the other servants, to give them their food at the appointed time. So the servants are charged with caring for the other servants. Now, I've pointed this out before, but what he's got in mind here, I think, is exactly this. This is a, a continued indictment against the Pharisees and the lawyers and the Sadducees, and maybe you could just say the unbelievers in general, the, unbelie- uh, the unbelieving Jews in general. He's continuing this indictment that began uh, when he when he walks into the temple and drives out the money changers, and then in chapter 23 when he pronounces all the woes, and then in chapter 24 when he talks about judgment coming upon the nation of Israel for their unbelief. We're, we're still in that context. And I think all of these things are still fresh in Jesus' mind. He, he, he's, he's addressing the false religion of the day, the unbelieving Jews, and especially the Jewish leaders. And he's also answering uh, still the, the, the question of the disciples early on in chapter 24. Uh, when, when are these things going to happen? And what's going to be the signs of your coming? So he's, he's, all of those things are in his mind here, seems to me. And so he says, The Master gives the servants charge over his household to give them food in the proper time. In verse 46, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Now, I think that's, he's contrasting that with what, with what the religious crowd of the day is doing. Pharisees, lawyers, so forth. Then he goes on to say, verse 46, 
verse 40, uh, yeah, verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to him, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants. Notice, notice the example that Jesus uses. The wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed. And so, hey, I can, I can leave town myself and go, go somewhere and party. I can, I can forsake my, my duties as guard. As how, no, that's not what he says. The way that it plays out, the way that his lack of loyalty to his master, the way that his um, disdain, I don't think is too strong a word, for his master and for his master's commandments, the way that all that plays out is he mistreats his fellow servants. That's how Jesus describes describes the, the, the uh, disloyalty of the wicked servant. So again, in my mind, I'm, I'm picturing immediately, um, of course, hopefully my own sin, but, but in, the scripture, in the context of the Scripture, I'm picturing immediately the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees, the dumb watchmen, who not only don't care for the sheep and warn the sheep and exhort the sheep and so forth, but they're devouring the sheep themselves. They're mistreating them. So in the parable, Jesus says it looks like this. The wicked servant says, my master is delayed. And he begins, verse 49, begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of the, So he's not, he, he's not caring for the household like he's supposed to, and he's not looking for the return of the of the uh, master. And so the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. Now, this is one reason I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to this interpretation, because that word hypocrites, that is what the word that Jesus was repeatedly using in chapter 23, saying to the Pharisees and lawyers, you hypocrites, you hypocrites, you hypocrites. It means pretenders. You pretenders, you pretend to be faithful servants when in truth you are, you are wicked servants. And so in the parable, the wicked servant is, is numbered among the hypocrites, the pretenders. And Jesus says it's going to be a grievous punishment, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then we get to, to chapter 25 that we talked about last week, and you have the, the, the foolish virgins and the, uh, the wise virgins Again, um, the idea here is Jesus is coming. Be ready. And he also, uh, again, makes the point that, that there's going to be a delay. And I, I mentioned this last week, but I think the, the disciples are, are looking for, um, they're looking for this to happen soon, very soon. And Jesus is, is making known through the parables that there is going to be a delay. Uh, for example, Chapter 24, 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed. In chapter 25 and um, verse 5, As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy. That is, uh, the virgins who were awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. And then in the parable we're going to consider this morning, uh, verse 19, Now after a long time... The master of those servants came. 
All right. So, in the, again, the parable of the virgins, you've got the, the idea of be ready. There's going to be a long delay. Um, watch. Now, we come to the parable of the talents. And again, what I'm suggesting here is the idea of watching and being ready means to be about the Father's business. Be about the Lord's business. Take care of His household. Take care of His possessions. So, two main points here. It's going to be simply this. And uh, nobody thought I could finish on time Wednesday night, and I did. (laughs) I'm boasting only in the cross because it's only by the grace of God that I finished on time Wednesday night. All right? (laughs) But I'm going to endeavor to do that again this morning um, by God's grace. Um, So here here it is. Uh, The two points are just simply this. Our responsibility and our accountability. Alright, in other words, the Master has given us responsibility while we remain here, while He's gone. And then there's coming a day of accountability when we'll all stand before Him and give an account for the deeds done in the body. That's the way Paul says it in Corinthians. Alright, so, verse 14. Notice how he starts this. For it will be like a man going on a journey. What will be like? A man going on a journey. Now, some of you have that supplied in your, in your translations, but it's not in the Greek. Matter of fact, it is not in the Greek. The Greek would just be simply like, for, like a man going on his journey. Now you say, well, well, what is like a man going on his journey, etc., etc.? It's, it's a reference to verse 1. Look at chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. So what Jesus is doing in this parable, the parable of the talents, is a, a continuation of what he's already talking about. It's just another parable describing the same thing that he just talked about with the ten virgins. Be ready, the master is coming. Or in that parable, it's the bridegroom. The bridegroom's coming. So th- those are the main points. He does, he does uh, come at it from a little different aspect. Obviously, it's a different... Parable, different, uh, different um, analogies are made here. Um, and so, a little more insight, I think, into what, uh, what it means to be ready and to be watching. Where basically in the parable of the ten virgins, he just said, do it. Now he's going to describe a little more about how to do it, just like he did in the parable of the wise servant in chapter 24. Alright, so it, in verse 14, is the kingdom of God. For it, that is the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Right? He entrusted to them his property. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, back in uh, verse 45 of chapter 24, chapter 24, verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? And then he goes on to say in verse 47 that... um, the wise servant will be set over all his possessions. So, uh, there it's household, possessions, here it's property. He's talking about the same thing, I think. So, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them, entrusted to them his property. So, here's the picture. He's leaving 
And he's entrusting his possessions, something that is valuable to him, to his servants. And he says, he's saying, basically, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm giving you the, uh, the, the responsibility to care for my household, my property, my possessions, until I return. And I'll be back. So, th- the implication is, be ready, be, be faithful, which is going to be key to understanding what it means to be ready. Be faithful. That is, be faithful in your responsibility because I'm coming back. Be faithful in your responsibility because there's going to be accountability. That's what, by the way, that's what the world is trying to escape. And that's why people embrace things like false religions or uh, even atheism. Because they want to escape accountability. They want to escape both of those things. Responsibility and accountability. It's not going to be done. It's not going to be, they're not going to be successful. None of us who try that will be successful. Verse 15, to one, that is to one servant, slave, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Now, let me, let me say this real quickly. Um, when we hear the word talent, immediately we think of something like playing the guitar or being good at math or whatever. You know, he's, he's, she's a good speaker or something like that. We, well, that's a talented individual, isn't it? That's, that's what we think of as talent. That's not what that's talking about here. I think that's a, uh, I'm, I'll get back to this in a moment, but I think that's a great application, but, it, but it's not the meaning. And there is a difference. Um, so what, when Jesus says talents, this, this is a measure of currency. My understanding is it was, it was done by weight, so the worth of it depended on whether you were talking about a talent of gold or a talent of silver, or a talent of copper. Um, you know, and if you sell gold, even today, if you sell gold or scrap, you'll understand there's a difference. You know, you, you, uh, uh, you take some uh, old aluminum to a scrapyard, uh, 50 pounds of aluminum. You might do pretty good. I don't know, I haven't been a while since I've done it, but you might do pretty good, but not near as good as if you got 50 pounds of gold. <laughs> That'll be a whole different story. So a talent is a measure of, uh, of currency, and the value of it depends on what it is. A talent of what? So just keep that in mind that he's that he's talking about. He's he's giving them, um, let's say, money. He's giving them money. Not you know. Here's the gift of singing. Go use it well. He's giving them money. That's what we mean by talent. What he means by talent. So, to one he gives five talents, large sum of money. To another, um, two. And to another, one. Each according to his ability. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that good? If, if you take a man like, let's say, Billy Graham, and his his maybe his responsibility and his gifting and all of that just far exceed mine, then I want to tell you, it's good to know that I'm going to be held accountable not not for accomplishing what he accomplishes. In other words, I don't have to I don't have to measure up to him. I just have to do what God gives me to do. 
He, he, and He doesn't get us all the same way. I don't know how many times I heard it, especially in, in, my, in uh, my, the early days of my Christian life, a lot because of the crowd I was running with, but you'd hear things like, if God did it for, for me, brother, He'll do it for you. Well, I'm sorry, that's not necessarily true. Unless you're just talking about salvation, God sets you free. He'll, that's right, you come to Christ in faith, and that person over there comes to Christ in faith. That's right, God will save them just like He'll save you. But don't go to the Red Sea thinking that because God did it for Moses, He'll do it for you. Ain't going to happen, I'm pretty sure. I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet. And uh, as someone said, I even work for a non-profit organization. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure if you try to split the Red Sea, it ain't going to happen. So, by the same token, you go to London like Billy Graham did back in the 50s and see if you can draw a crowd of a million people. Probably not going to happen. I mean, it might, but <laughs> probably not. If I go and do it, it's probably not going to happen. All right. Um, it's, it's according to, each, to the ability of each one. He, he's, he's gifted each individual with the ability to do certain things. And then he, he gives you responsibility that corresponds with the ability He's given you. Now, we need to remember that any time we think, well, Lord, that's asking a bit much of me. You know, that's, kind of, that's basically what Moses did when, when God told Moses to go and deliver the children of Israel. That does sound like a pretty good job, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, just, just go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, oh, well, I think you better find somebody else. That's a little bit much for me. But the thing is, God was going to give him the ability to do what he was sending him to do. And that's the way it is with every person. We're going to be held accountable for what God has given us to do. I'm not going to be held accountable for what Heath is supposed to do. Heath is not going to be held accountable for what I'm supposed to do. We're going to be held accountable for what we're given to do according to the ability that God's given us. And then... He went away. Verse 16, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. Now the idea is here, he put the money to work. Maybe he opened a little business or something. We're not told the specifics of it. But he, he used the money that the Master gave him with, with, the, with the purpose of Making more. He, he wants, when the master returns, he doesn't want to give him back five talents. He wants to give him back five talents plus. So, he, he invests the money some way. Started a business or something and puts it to work. He's investing. And that's what a wise, faithful servant does. We're all investors. And I don't care what the jackpot is... A lottery ticket is not a good investment. That's just a side note. I mean, you don't. That's that. I didn't read that out of the passage here, so I mean, you don't have to take that if you don't want to. But um, it's just uh, advice, all right? That's not a good investment. But investing in the kingdom of God is a good investment. It's a sound investment. It's a sound investment. So, and that's what he wants them to do. He wants them to take his money and invest it so that it grows. And in verse 17, the other faithful servant did likewise. Now, notice again, he had less, but that's not the point. 
He had less ability and he had less money to work with. The master didn't give him the same amount. But that's not the point. The, the, what the point is, what Jesus is saying, be faithful with what you've got. With the ability that God's given you and with the responsibility that God's given you. Be faithful in that. Invest it. So it grows. So, um, again, verse 17. Also, he who had two talents made two talents more. So both of them doubled the master's money. And verse 18 says, But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, what he's trying to do is, is he's fearful of the master. Um, we could speculate a, a, a lot of reasons here. I mean, maybe he didn't want to work, for one thing. You know, maybe he is just, he, well, he is, called, he, does, he is called lazy by Jesus. You know, he's just lazy. He, does, he doesn't want to go out and work. And, and do the work that is necessary for, the, for, uh, for profit, for inv- you know, to make a, uh, an investment profitable. So he's thinking, if I can just preserve what the Master has given me and give it back to him, then he hasn't lost anything, and all is good. Of course, one problem with that is you've got a servant on the payroll, and he's not doing nothing. Uh, you've lost something. He, he's, he's not only not getting more profit like increase, but he, he's become unprofitable himself. He's costing you. Okay? So, after a long time, verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. This is the accountability. This is the day of reckoning, so to speak. This is when he comes to the, to the servants and says, Alright, now, now you're going to be held accountable. I, I told you I was leaving, and, and I gave you um, charge over my possessions, over my property. Now you can, you can, we can look and see what you've done. We can see if you've done any work and how it's prospered. Verse 19, after a long time, and again, notice there, uh, that phrase, after a long time, Jesus, the whole parable is picturing Jesus leaving and coming back. So he, he's, he's making it known to the disciples here a little bit in an indirect way through a parable. But uh, that this is not going to happen quickly. That is, the return of Jesus is not going to happen um, fast by their time schedule, by their, by their understanding. He's going to be gone for a while. And as I said last week, we know now at least 2,000 years, right? He's going to be gone at least 2,000 years. So, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant or slave. You have been faithful over a little Calls him good. Calls him a faithful slave. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Likewise, the one that had two, verse 22, he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master, notice notice it's virtually identical here. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over a little. I will make you, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So, and Jesus is saying, there's, there's going to be reward for the faithful servants. He's, he's coming back expecting, expecting, uh, an increase. I, again, I think this has been pictured all the way through here. Remember when Jesus, after He drove the money changers out of the temple, He's walking along with the disciples and He comes up on a fig tree and He's hungry. And He's looking for fruit. And there's no fruit there. And He cursed the fig tree and it, it just withered from the root. That's an odd thing to insert right in the middle of this Passion Week, isn't it? And people look at that and say, well, you know, what's the deal here? First, Jesus drives people out of the temple. Now, He's cursing a fig tree. Is it, is it just, is this anger? Is He having trouble managing His anger? No, no. No, He's not losing control. There's anger involved, but He's not losing control. And, and all of these things are telling the same story. He's, he's coming, or has come, and, and as far as the first coming, He's come expecting fruit from the nation of Israel. He comes looking for fruit, and He finds none. And He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times will I have gathered you under my wings like a hen gathers her biddies, but you would not. That is, you were not willing to come under my care. And it shows, it shows by your fruit, because there is no fruit. Instead of finding faithful men of God, overseeing the flock of God, and leading people in worship in the temple of God, people worshiping in spirit and in truth, instead of finding that, he finds men lording it over God's heritage. He finds men devouring widows' houses. There's no fruit. And so the fig tree is cursed. And so, chapter 23, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders for their unfaithfulness. In chapter 24, He pronounces the curse. I'm telling you, not going to be one stone left upon another in this place. And now He's looking either even further out and He's warning His disciples, watch and pray, be ready, because I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, and it's going to, there's going to be a delay. Going to be gone for a while, then coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to be looking to see if you're faithful. There's going to be accountability. And for the faithful servants, He says in the parable, well done. And isn't it great? As we, as we already said, He gives us ability and He gives us responsibility according to the ability that He's given to us. And so when the guy, the first guy comes, had five talents, now he's got ten. He says, Lord, here's, I had five and I've got five more, here's ten talents. And the second guy comes with two, he's doubled that, and now he's got four. 
And the master doesn't say, four talents, come on, this guy over here, he's got ten to hand back to me. No, he's, he's just as pleased with him as he was with the first one. Because both of them were faithful in the responsibility that they were given. And if a man like Billy Graham or you can name many from history, some we talk about sometimes, people like Augustine or Luther or Calvin or today, you know, John MacArthur, John Piper, whoever you want to name. If those men are true and faithful men of God, they're going to hear something similar to this. Well done, good and faithful servant. And, and the people like you and I, who most of the world never heard of, if we're faithful with what God has given us to do, we're going to hear the same thing. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And by the way, that is the ultimate reward. And He wants us looking for the reward. This is another thing we've talked about quite a bit as we've gone through Matthew. Jesus puts the reward in front of us and He's saying, keep your eye on it. Right? of Hebrews says that's what Moses did. He looked to the reward. And we'll be rewarded at His coming. The joy of the Lord. In Psalm 16, the writer says, In your presence is fullness of joy. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. Alright, so, to the faithful servants, he says, Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then, uh, again, verse 24, He who also had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. Notice he doesn't have a he doesn't have a very favorable opinion of his master, does he? I think that uh, speaks volumes. <clears throat> Verse twenty five. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now some of us might look at that and say, Well, you know what? He sort of invested. I mean, he kept the money safe. At least he didn't lose anything. But, but this master is looking for profit. He's looking for fruit. He gave them charge over the talents so that they could do something with it. Work with it. Cause it to increase. Put it to work so that it increases. So his response is not too good. Verse 26. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. He's looking for more. He's looking for increase. Now, here's the judgment on the wicked servant, the slothful, the lazy servant. Verse 28, So take the talent from him and give it to him who has Ten talents. For to everyone who has, will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant. Notice what he calls him. Worthless or unprofitable. Cast the worthless servant into outer Darkness in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, 
Let me just say this before we close as far as application. It is, it is important what we do with our talents. Now, I'm, I'm meaning it in the sense that we use it. Time, talents, resources. Um, it, it is important that we use all of those things for the glory of God. And I think um, thinking in those terms is, is a great application for, for the messages that Jesus is putting across here. But I, I think what Jesus is meaning throughout this discourse is that He has given us kingdom responsibility. That is, we're, we're here to care for one another. Not be like the wicked servant who started beating his fellow slaves. Not be like the Pharisees who were taking advantage of people. But have the true religion to love one another, to serve one another. That is, to care for, be good stewards over God's household. Now, what is God's household? It's the church. It's the church. It's the church. So, you could sum it up this way. And we. We've said this many, many times, and it's not original with me. I don't know who it's original with, but we're, we're here, number one, to glorify God. And number two, for the spiritual welfare of one another. That's what we're here for. And those two aren't two separate things. In other words, if we are, if we are totally given to glorifying God, that will manifest through caring for others. Especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we are given to the spiritual welfare of one another, it will be because our heart's desire is to glorify God. Like we talked about in Sunday school, the fruit is, is just a result of the root. It tells us what the root is. If the root, if it's our heart, to glorify God, then the fruit will be there. We will care for one another. Now, there's more I wanted to say, but I'm going to have to save it for later. But that, that is the gist of it, all right? We've been given responsibility. Our responsibility and our accountability. We will be held accountable. We want to be good stewards with what the Lord has given us to do because He's coming back and He's looking for faithful, that is, obedient servants who love Him above all things and because of that, because of that love, care for His household, His people, and want to see it increase and work to see it increase. i got to stop. All right? Would you stand? <laughs> We're just going to uh, dismiss with a word of prayer. And uh, Lord willing, see you back this evening at 6 o'clock. All right? Zachary, you mind leading us in a word of prayer, please? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. 
Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.